Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Doogie, are you prepared for questions of significant importance? I'm as prepared as prepared can be. James Murphy, are you prepared to throw those questions at us? I am. Not as prepared as I was to hear that the Gophers would be uh, challenging for the Big Ten West next year. But uh, Doogie has I... promised a Western Division title as early as 2019. <laughs> I heard it! Uh, <laughs> with my own ears. We're going to hold you to that, Doogie. That's fine. Write that down. <laughs> it's just it's subjective what exactly competing that's where I can couch it a little bit, right? That's, That's where I've got the escape. I yeah, said you didn't competing. Promise a, you didn't promise a win or anything. But there's a loose definition I of competing. It. But I said they will compete for I the Big Ten as, West. I heard there's a promise of a, a birth in the game yeah. in Indianapolis. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. My first question to you guys is regarding the Vikings' second preseason game tomorrow afternoon against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What is the biggest thing that you'll be looking to take away from that game personnel-wise? Doogie, you want to start us off? Personnel-wise? Personnel-wise. Yeah, so like what How about no significant injuries? Like Josiah Price, who wasn't going to make the 53, man, but he hurts his knee yesterday. He is now out for the year. So they lost a player for the year yesterday in the joint practice with Jacksonville. So from a personnel standpoint, Murph, just escape without any significant injury. That's all I'm asking. Or wanting. Or hoping to see. That's it. <laughs> nothing <laughs> Keep nothing going. beyond Keep going that. I mean, that path, I mean Cousins Frank. plays, what, two series, maybe three? You know, so I mean, if he wants to deliver some good balls like he did against Denver, that's fine. But if he doesn't, it's not like... There's going to be a reason to lose hope. So I'm just telling you, maintain health. Come out of that game. Yeah, of course. Yep. Makes with, sense. Yeah, with guys, you know, ready to go heading into that third preseason game when guys will play, you know, the first half into the third quarter when mm-hmm. it's at a week from today mm-hmm. at U.S. Bank Stadium against Seattle. Uh, we're going to talk to Matthew Collard, who does a fantastic job covering the Vikings next, 1500ESPN.com, if you're not familiar with his work. And um, he threw me a curveball earlier this week. Matthew... Matthew has strong opinions, but he's not afraid to change them if he sees a guy evolving and a guy improving. And he came out by saying that uh, Brian O'Neill getting some more work at tackle has really made a lot of strides. He's the second he's right. round pick. He's absolutely right. And he talked right. about how yes. bad he looked in how bad he looked in the offseason and how he's a, a bit bigger now, but more importantly, just improved. Rashad Hill has a bad ankle. I wouldn't be surprised if Rashad Hill does not play tomorrow. 
I also would not be shocked with what Collar was telling me if Brian O'Neill got to start at right tackle with the first-teamers in place of Hill. If that's the case, I'm all over watching that. Because Collar basically has changed his tune to saying, don't shut the door on Brian O'Neill potentially starting. Because Rashad Hill's been hurt, he's been sick before that, and quite frankly, he's probably a backup. He's a good backup, but he's he's not a guy that you target necessarily as a starting right tackle. Uh, so if Brian O'Neill does indeed get the start or uh, plays quite a bit tomorrow, I am in on that because that would be a very interesting progression from a guy who a few months ago we said, can this guy play? He looks like a really good athlete, but he looks more like a tight end to potentially starting. So that's that's my big one because this, this offensive line to me remains the linchpin to this entire thing because Kirk Cousins operates really well from the pocket. And if that thing breaks down, he's not Case Keenum. And consequently, the question becomes, how well can you protect Kirk Cousins? That is a good one. I can tell you that when they took O'Neal, the general idea was this would be a developmental year. Mm -hmm. But he has impressed them. I think Collar's dead on that there is an outside chance that O'Neal. And if it's not September 9th, maybe it's October or November. But that O'Neal is further along right now than they thought he would be. So, yes, that is very, very interesting. And, heck, how many offensive linemen dress on game day? Is it seven, your five starters, two backups, maybe three yeah, backups? Yeah, and you like to have a fl- – well, you like to have a guy that could play, uh, for instance, guard and tackle. Or and they have that. For the flexibility purposes. Sure, but, I mean, if if Hill is the guy on September 9th, yep. heck, once you hurt your ankle, hmm? that can be a recurring injury, right? So if he goes down – O'Neal is in anyway. But yeah, I do think there's an outside chance. Collar's definitely on to something there. Question two, James Murphy. We brought this up briefly and write that down. Of course, we had to cut that short so we could get Doogie in here. Um, <laughs> so we were I just, up against the clock. We were up against... And, you know, he, Doogie's so g- great about clock management that we we owe him the same responsibility to be, to, to be the same way for him as well, right? Uh, that was that was so funny. I come in here at 10 a.m. and you guys were like, "Oh, we couldn't finish up. Write that down because Dukes is coming in." Oh, so hey, I'm gonna I'm like, respect the clock, right? I'm gonna RTC. repurpose. I'm gonna repurpose a uh, something we mentioned there for question number two. The Twins right now are currently 57 and 63. Will they finish the year above 500? Let me let me just very quickly here. Um, go to online the twin schedule because the twin schedule in August is incredibly easy. These division games, I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, who they swept in two games this week is a nice story, but they're not great. And they swept them, right? And right now you're playing Detroit. And it, as I said during the course of our conversation earlier, I believe that my dog Stella and I could beat Detroit if we had to. So, <laughs> and let's see, we've got, uh, okay, so now you've got. Three games coming up against the White Sox. Then the A's, which is tough. Then Cleveland, which is tough. Texas is not having a great year. Um, I think there is absolutely a chance. I don't think it's going to happen. But I would not dismiss the chance with how the schedule shapes up. Doogie, that this team, let's see, Texas into Houston, but then Kansas City, the Yankees. All right. Well, I mean, how it's many a long games? Shot, but it, it's a long shot, but you've got a lot of games against bad teams. How many games total against the Royals, White Sox, and Tigers? Well, let me tell you right now. I mean, I, you've got the laptop right there. I'm, I'm looking into... It'll come down to that, I'm, realistically, right? They're six under one, right two, now, you three, say, James? Four, five, six, They're seven. six under right now. Of course, they got the three-game series with Detroit coming up. Okay, Kansas City, I count seven left, at least seven in September. 
Uh, Detroit, you then go to Detroit in the month of September for three games. So six left so of them. Yeah, that's, yep. Uh, Tiger, oh wait, no, no, nine. It's three more than that. Three at home, and then you complete this uh, schedule at home with four against the White Sox. You've got a real good chance here. They do have a chance, yeah. I mean, we can't dismiss you do got Oakland the chance. And Houston and the Yankees, so it's not going to be. But yes, I think there's a very good chance. You know what, though? If you had to bet? I'd bet against it. I think I would bet against it. I would, too. But when you look at when this division, you're not good, but Kansas City and Chicago and Detroit are awful. The, mm-hmm. only, the, the only catch is there was quite an extended period of time here where your record against those three teams was not nearly as good as it should have been. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if it had been, you would have been competing with Cleveland for first place. Well, I mean, heck, if they don't, is it as simplistic as this? If they don't get swept in Kansas City right after the All-Star break. They might not break, make all those trades. Do they make all those trades? May, no, I don't think they do. Maybe they don't. Nope. No, that was, to me, getting swept in Kansas City by a Royals team that's not bad. They are god-awful. It gave Falvey absolutely every right to say, I don't care what you say, Brian Dozier or Santana, this thing's being straight. Correct. Apart. When Drew Butera has an inside-the-park home run, it's time to give up. It's because poor Jake Cave is diving at balls, which I still don't really get. All right. And Judd, just before the third question, you brought this up yesterday, but the run differential for the bottom three teams in the American League Central is pretty horrendous. Detroit at minus 105, uh, the White Sox at minus 158, and Kansas City at a uh, a league worst, minus 212. Think about that. Kansas City, minus 212 run differential. I believe there's nobody else who's bad enough to be Minus 200, correct? I think they're the only ones that get into that rare territory of actually being minus 212. Yeah, there's a couple, Miami and um, and Baltimore in the minus 180s, but no one, no one's within 30 runs of, uh, of Kansas City. All right, we have one more question. Is that correct? That is correct. Go ahead. So ESPN released an article this morning ranking the eight teams that are possible uh, based on their likelihood to go from worst to first in their respected division. Those eight teams ranked in order from ESPN are Houston, Denver, San Francisco, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, New York Jets, Chicago, and least likely, according to ESPN, is the New York Giants. Which of those eight teams are most likely, in your mind, to go from worst to first in their division this year? The Giants are the least likely? That's what ESPN has, okay. yeah. I don't know if I put the Giants least. I, would, I wouldn't, wouldn't be my answer. My answer would be San Francisco or Houston. Yep. The Houston division. I mean, I heard you guys talking about it in the first hour on my drive in. I mean... No, heck. It's not like we watch a lot of practices, but you're right. Being out there the last couple days, or at least yesterday, Blake Bortles, I mean, if you're Jacksonville. What are you doing? You know, and then you've got the Colts. Tennessee's okay, I guess. They've got some guys. And the Colts, you know, if Deshaun Watson plays 16 games, if J.J. Watt is back, they have enough guys. I mean, Houston could make that jump. And, you know, you look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did when he took over Um, last year, you know. um, But the Rams are good. Rams are really good. I think the Rams, I don't, I think they might get their comeuppance a little bit. You think so? Yeah. Mm. The, Jared, the Jared Goff thing, you've had, uh, coordinators have had a year to study what Zimmer did to him here. 
Uh, keep in mind, too, that it was Sean McVay who was getting all the calls in. They, I believe the um, the relay system from coach to quarterback shuts off with 15 seconds left before the play, something like that. And keep in mind, that whole thing was predicated on McVay looking at the defenses and telling Goff what to do. And that that's what Zimmer exploited because he basically had the defense switch things up at the last second. You know as well as I do, these guys, these coordinators do nothing but study all basically they sit down in probably starting in March or April and study this. I think the Rams might be in for a little bit of more of a letdown than we think. And Donald's still not signed yet too. They gotta get him in. He'll eventually get in, right? Even yeah. But, just like last year. Yeah. But right, well but then I'll, I'll give you I'm Houston. with you. I'm with you. You sold me okay. on that. Okay. So I'll Houston. take San Francisco. All right. I think San Francisco I'll still go Houston. You sold me on maybe the Rams taking a little bit of a step backwards. Yep. But I still think Seattle as long as you have Russell Wilson, you have a chance. Yeah, you'll win seven, probably seven, yeah, eight games, Yeah, I mean, they're right? going to win seven, eight games, right? That's what I think. Arizona, I guess, who knows? But it's not like Arizona is horse bleep. Come on, Sam Bradford. So I guess I'll go just because I don't like the rest of the division all that much. But you sold me. You sold me on the Rams taking a step backwards. That being said, I would put San Francisco two, Houston one. And it's interesting, too, the order. Like, I think you guys would mostly agree with the top three being Houston, Denver, and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting that they have Cleveland fourth as the as uh, the fourth most likely to go from worst to first. I would, and yes. then the Giants being last, even though, I mean, I, I get it, Philadelphia, but I'm not super high on Dallas or Washington. The NFC East changes a lot, though. Like, that, that division has had fluctuations before. Very recently. Well, can they stay healthy? Barkley looks like he is going to be a flat-out stud. And by, Shermer's and going way, to help that offense. They might be well-coached They got now. the tackle from the Patriots' shoulder, right? They got Hernandez with the 35th yes, pick. The Vikings because. just didn't like him as a scheme fit, but a lot of people across the league love Will Hernandez. So the offensive line in New York has been rebuilt. And, Eli is still capable. And the Giants he? are going to be well-coached now, too. Yeah, I like, agree. This guy was... The Giants would not be last. They would not be eight on my rankings list. I don't know who would be. Maybe Tampa with Jameis Winston yeah. missing the first three games. I think Dirk gets fired during the course of the season. I think yeah. the Bears have a low chance of winning the division. I think they can jump Detroit, though. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. I, I think most people are there, but passing Minnesota and, and Green Bay just doesn't... I, think I, Chica- I don't think so. I think Chicago's going to be a surprise. They added I, I don't a lot of guys. Gonna, I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they're going to. I think they're going up. You know, that, that's Nagy's a, thing. a good coach too, or at and least pe- a good offensive coach. People forget that when they came here at the end of last year, they weren't very good, but their defense was not bad. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a this is not a dumpster fire franchise now. And so, in fact, I predicted the Vikings, Packers, and Bears would all finish above five hundred. I think the Bears are going to surprise. Yeah, I could see the Bears getting an eight or and nine. I'm with I don't you. have their schedule in front of me. I think Detroit's last. You had all those guys, Burton and Allen Robinson, right? This, this Patricia act in Detroit, I don't think it's going to work. And I think Nagy can coach. Yeah, yeah. I don't right. like this. Yeah. Be- I'm Bears Bel- can get to eight or nine. I'm Belichick in Detroit. I'm still going Houston though. Okay, I'll go San Francisco. Long, long way to get to the answer. I'm still putting Houston one to answer your question, Murph. Thank you, Murph. Fine work. Uh, let's come back, uh, continue the Vikings discussion. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. You, you can check out his work there, and you can hear from him next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokely On 1500ESPN. Like that!
All of that football love, Darren, can only mean one thing. That was aggressive. It can only mean one thing when you hear this. Football! Football, yeah! yeah! Football! Football! Yeah! That is the next voice you're about to hear. Is a man who lives and dies, lives and breathes, eats and drinks football. Hi, Matthew Collar. Hello, I'm currently eating a bowl of football. So, nice to talk with you. Nice to talk to you, Matthew. Is it tough? Is it tender? Is it succulent? It's all of that, Judd. Just like the football we're going to watch tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. I can't. I I told these guys in questions, Matthew, that because of what you told me a couple days ago on this very show, that the personnel thing, the thing I'm going to be watching closest for tomorrow, Brian O'Neill perhaps getting a chance to start in place of... The banged-up, bad ankle Rashad Hill at right tackle because you are you are a man with strong football opinions, but you're not afraid to change those as you see things evolve and change. And you told me that you've gone from watching O'Neal and saying, this guy might be a liability, to seeing a guy who is turning into a football player. Yeah. Um, so early in camp when we talked to Brian O'Neill, you got a, a little bit of a sense for his personality, and he comes across as, as a pretty smart kid. And I thought, okay, well, if there's any chance that he's going to do this, that he's going to come up and steal this job from Rashad Hill, it's that he learns pretty quickly and then uses his athleticism, which is just uh, you know, absolutely outstanding athleticism. So if he can use the combination of both those things and he can start to perfect some of the techniques that they're teaching him, then he has a chance because he's a way better athlete than Rashad Hill. And I think that even if you know there's going to be some bumps in the road along the way, that the high end of things that he can do for you is much higher than Hill. And then Rashad Hill is, to no fault of his own, opened the door for O'Neal here because uh, he started off camp with an illness, so he was kind of in and out for the first maybe week and a half, and then he starts coming back with the first team, and then he has this ankle thing uh, the other day after a pretty poor showing in Denver, and that uh, just opens things up for the potential that Brian O'Neill will be your starting right tackle in game one. But first, he's got to play well tomorrow, and I, and I think he got a, a great experience. Of all the questions that I had about why you would practice with another team and risk the you know teams fighting or somebody getting hurt or whatever it might be, the one good thing is that he got to go up against Calais Campbell, who is one of the absolute best pass rushers in the NFL, and I think that was a good experience for O'Neal, and we'll see if it carries over to tomorrow. The Hill injury also potentially opened the door for Aviante Collins. How do you think Collins is doing, who has been getting snaps, Matthew, right at tackle and at guard? Yeah, and he played on Saturday against the Broncos at both of those positions. He started at guard. Well, he didn't start the game, but he came into the game to replace Riley Reef at left tackle, and then he moved over to guard. And he's a guy that's another really great athlete. It's pretty clear what type of player they want. You know, they want quickness up front. He's also got a nasty streak to him. The thing about Collins is there isn't a whole lot of experience there, and he's a guy that went undrafted. So normally if it's somebody that's going to go undrafted, this was uh, last year they picked him up, uh, it takes a little while. I mean, if, if he's going to work out, it's going to be three, four years down the road before that happens. So his lack of experience against the high-end talent makes me think, okay, they like where he is, and he's making them feel a little bit better about their depth. But I'm not sure until we really see it that he's in the race 
to start, but there is a race to start. And yesterday, Tom Compton left the field with what looked to me like an arm injury, but I, I can't say for sure, but that's kind of how it looked. Uh, and so if Tom Compton doesn't play and Rashad Hill doesn't play and Mike Remmers doesn't play and Pat Alpine doesn't play, that gives plenty of opportunity for other guys to come up and take a job. Uh, what's your expectation for how much, speaking of guys playing, Kirk Cousins is going to play tomorrow? I'm guessing game three he'll play the entire first half, but do you think we get a couple series tomorrow, Matthew? I do. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the whole first quarter. I think that Kirk has been a little bit unhappy with how some things have gone over the last few days. And, yeah, we're into the training camp point. Well, now it's officially over and we just start practicing. But we're we're in that off-season point where everyone's sort of worn down and things like that and they just want to get to real games. Uh, but there have been you know some two-minute drills that have been pretty ugly with this team. And I, I think what they would like is to be able to – simulate that so even if the scoreboard just says zero zero and it's the third or fourth drive of the game or something kind of pretend like all right we're going to run this up tempo and try to succeed there because it seems like every time they go into that there have been uh, plenty of struggles and that it doesn't say a whole lot for what's going to happen this season but i think as far as tweaking things and getting everything uh, all the ducks in a row that that's one thing they would like to achieve. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could see him doing three, four, you know, uh, drives out there. And plus, I also think it, it doesn't hurt, not that Mike Zimmer is thinking of this, but maybe it's in the back of his mind a little bit of just, you know, Cousins is going to want to get out in front of the fans at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they're going to want to see kind of what he looks like in a purple uniform because, you know, they only saw it on TV last week, so... Uh, yeah, I, I do think that we'll see a little more of him. If it were up to me, I would say, Kirk, stay home. Don't even put pants on. Just watch that game Excuse at me? home with the re- with the rest of the fans. Well, I, I hope the fans have pants on at home, though. Uh, you don't have to have pa- pants in the pre- well, right. In I'd like house. to have uh, shorts, maybe mesh shorts like I wear. Yeah, I mean, I just like sure, to. If you want I to. just don't like the thought of of no pants. It just it makes me uncomfortable. But anyway, I digress. Doogie? Why? I mean, if if someone's in the privacy of their own home and they don't leave their window open. Like, I have some neighbors when I walk the dog at night that they leave the window wide open, and you're always a little nervous as you walk by. Like, just, you know, stay where you're at, sir. But, um, you know, <laughs> well, that's if, they're, the reason if they why I want the pants. windows closed and they're just watching football with no pants, I, I'm for that. <laughs> Uh, Matthew, if I I don't even know how to segue. If if I don't go back and don't watch the it. Cousins press conference, news conference, pre-practice gathering yesterday, how much am I missing? How good was he breaking down play action passes and whatever else he talked about? Yeah, you uh, you missed a lot, but it's online, Doogie. So don't. It worry. is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying, yeah. how much am I missing out if I don't go back and watch? I I think with Cousins. He has trained himself to be able to answer the narrative questions. So when you say to Kirk Cousins, hey, buddy, you got paid a lot of money, he's got a stock answer for you that he's just going to kind of push that button and put it in autopilot and let it go. But, you know, yesterday I asked him about uh, personnel packages. It was something that Pat Shermer was really good at, throwing out two tight ends, and then the next play there's a fullback, and then the next play there's three wide receivers, and, and on and on from there. And he talked about some of the advantages of that and then how in some games you can pull out just the same personnel package over and over and over again and the other team 
doesn't really know what you're doing there. So uh, that was interesting to listen to, the play-action breakdown about how everything has to be right in order for you to be great at play-action. And that's one thing that John Filippo is going to have a lot to live up to because when it comes to play-action, he's exactly right. I mean, it's everybody's job to make that work, but number one is the play caller and play design. And last year, Jay Gruden was on his game with that. And think of the guys he's had before. Sean McVay, a boy genius. He's also had Kyle Shanahan, who operated that offense when Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, and then they fell off the next year. I mean, he's had some really good offensive minds around him, and I think that that's one of the main reasons that he's done so well with play action. But also, he he just executed it. And, and that's the thing with Cousins. If you ask him to execute something and be prepared and recognize the defense and, and all that, he's going to be really good at it. So I think his previous offensive coordinators said, let's find as many ways as we can to set up plays where he can have a read that he can recognize and he doesn't have to go off script and just operate the play that we drew up, and he's been really good at that his whole career. Collar, I, I want you to take a listen to this. Got it. Oh, my great effort that time as Peak gets the touchdown catch from Teddy Bridgewater. What a throw, guys. What a throw. And how good does that feel after the last two years for Teddy? He's going to start week one. I can feel it. I can feel it. Teddy Bridgewater is going to start week one at quarterback, and Zim might watch that game and start tearing up. Oh, yeah. There will be tears when uh, Teddy Bridgewater takes the field for week one. I, you know, I think that last night he hasn't quite locked it up for sure, but if you're the Jets, you're going to have a really tough time not starting him with how well he's played in these two preseason games. And it isn't just – it isn't just that he's made throws, but those are the throws that made him the quarterback Mike Zimmer always wanted, that he was extremely accurate, and I think he's even got a little more zip behind the ball. He talked about that last year, but you sort of roll your eyes like, okay, sure you do, but uh, you know, he was one of the younger quarterbacks coming out, and people criticized his arm strength, but you were starting before the 2016 season to see it come on a little bit, and then when he hurt his leg, he focused on you know improving his upper body strength and things like that. So I even see a little more velocity behind the ball when he's throwing it. He, he got hit, and he was okay. He scrambled in the first game, and he looks like the franchise quarterback he was before. I mean, it's, it's hard to get too far ahead of yourself with preseason games, but at the same time, this guy has shown before how good he can be, and he was doing all of those things, and he looked great last night. So I I think there is a very, very good chance that he does end up starting. And and Sam Darnold was another guy who was extremely young coming out. So if he doesn't end up starting right away, that's okay. It's it's not a huge deal if he has to sit behind Teddy Bridgewater because you know that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be teaching him. Teddy Bridgewater was teaching Kyle Sloter last year, and, and he was helping Case Keenum on the sideline. That's just the type of guy that he is. So he's someone that you can have around your future franchise quarterback, or, hey, if Teddy Bridgewater goes and wins 10 games with the Jets or something, then I don't, I don't know if they would trade Sam Darnold, but you, you never know where this could go if Bridgewater is back to 100%. I don't think they're trading Sam, but, yeah, I mean, what we want from a, from a storyline standpoint, Vikings-Jets, what, mid-October? Yeah. We want Teddy as the Jets quarterback, right? And I'm just I'm wondering, Matthew, now, heck, Zimmer's undying love for Teddy is well-known. But I can just tell you, I was told that Teddy was not plan B. Now, maybe they always knew they were getting cousins, 
But Case Keenum, re-signing Case, was plan B. I don't even think Teddy was plan C here. But just seeing what we've seen so far throughout camp, not just last night, but throughout camp, going back to April and May, Teddy looks like he's back to me. Absolutely. I just I wonder if if maybe they I don't I don't want to say they misdiagnosed or just misread the situation, but I'm just wondering that that remember Zimmer what was it, Judd? Did Zimmer and Matthew remember this? Did Zimmer go on the record at some point last year saying they just don't think that Teddy medically will ever get back to the point he needs to get back to? But I'm just wondering after what we've seen so far, there's enough of a body of work that I wonder if he can get back to the old Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Zimmer did not go that far, but he acknowledged on several different occasions that they were, I don't think he did. Maybe at the owner's meeting, sometimes he'll have uh, a good quote that comes from that. But I don't know if he ever went as far as to say that was exactly why, but uh, he did say at the Combine that they just don't really know how he's going to hold up. That's and right. Okay, I, it was it was the Combine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah and, and for what you said, absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about a team that is set for a Super Bowl run or that's what's on their mind as the Vikings are, would you, if it was a 50-50 shot, would you be comfortable with that? I mean, I don't think that I would, even though I like Teddy Bridgewater more as a quarterback uh, than Kirk Cousins. I think if you're the organization, you're saying, look, if we bring back Bridgewater and he's our quarterback, and then in week three uh, he can't hold up and he breaks down, and then we have to turn to Trevor Simeon or whoever, mm-hmm. then you know we're going to lose our jobs if the season doesn't go the same way it did last year. And what are the odds of that? So I, I, I totally get why they decided to move on. But at the same time, you watched Teddy last night, and uh, Brian Baldinger of NFL Network uh, has tweeted out a breakdown of some of his best throws. I mean, he was on the money, and he was moving, and he looked confident throwing the ball. It's like, yeah, this, this is not only the old Teddy, but he looked even a little bit better in some points. And, you know, we'll see if that holds up or if he wins the job or if they just say, hey, look, too bad, man, we're going to stick with Sam Darnold or if they trade him or whatever it might be. It's, it's a very fascinating situation. But at, at the top of the list for how you feel about it, I think Vikings fans are just thrilled that Teddy Bridgewater can actually step on the field again and show some of the same old Teddy because when he got hurt, most people felt like his career was over. And that's not just most fans. That's most people, I think, in the Vikings organization. Thank you, Matthew Collar. I'll see you Thanks, tomorrow. Fellas. See you, Matthew. Bye. Bye. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. Check out his Vikings work. I think he's going to uh, post 10 things to watch um, on the website at some point today for Jaguars Vikings. I'm not kidding. He's going to come up with 10 things. Ten? I think he's going to come up with 10 things, and then he'll be on with me tomorrow. Uh, we'll do Saturday morning sports talk at 10 a.m. The game, of course. Keep in mind, it's weird because, uh, and I'm guessing it's because the Jaguars desire to leave town after they were here Wednesday, Thursday, today, and Saturday. The game starts at noon tomorrow. It's a weird start time for a preseason game. Ordinary be ordinarily, it would be on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, certainly Saturday noon or, or you know a Sunday noon game wouldn't be that atypical. But yeah, Saturday noon kickoff is. It's certainly out of the ordinary. I'll admit, I might be caught up heat of the moment after watching those highlights from last night, because I get it. If you consider Teddy's injury, what, almost two years well, to cool, the day? It's a great story. about a week away, I guess, from two years to the day. It's a fantastic story. I mean, it wasn't just your common ECL. I mean, no, that, what that's he what I told did Phil. to his knee. They talked about having to amputate. So I, do, I, I get it they from the Vikings standpoint, but I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm caught up heat of the moment because I love the guy, too. Yep. But he just, he was phenomenal. He looked so good last night. Take a break. Come back uh, about half hour to go. Mackie and Judd today. Zolgan Doogie.
Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. The Minnesota United take on FC Dallas this Saturday night at Toyota Stadium. Tune in at 6.30 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff at 7 p.m. with Dan Terhar. Catch all the action right here on 1500 ESPN. Deep to left center field. That ball is way back, and that ball is gone. Into the bullpen, a two-run shot for Nicholas Castellanos. For 2,000 hits. That's drilled deep to left field. It might go, and Mikey is going deep. Matuk with a line drive home run. Two-run shot. Here's a drive to deep right field. This ball might have enough, and it does. It is gone. An opposite field home run for McCann. And the Tigers have their third home run of the night. So Irv got mad last night, huh, Doogie? Didn't like a bad flip. We're, we're offended by, by bad flips. Of course, we get a little bit more upset when we stink as well. So that probably didn't help its cause, seeing as how he has no stuff right now. Yes, I mean, the optics were not good. Yeah, yeah I mean, Castellanos in the first inning, yeah, hits the long home run into the bullpen, bat flip, umpire catches the bat. It was, it was great. <laughs> I did see that Then part. Castellanos comes to bat. I believe it was the third inning, his second at-bat. Yep. And it wasn't close to his helmet or his face, but it looked like it was some sort of message sent with a high fastball. Then there was some jarring back and forth. You know, so it certainly looked. The optics were that Santana was upset about the bat flip. But yeah, maybe it was just his own personal frustration. Well, right, but I think you're right. I think the bat flip, it's still seen as a reason to be mad. Correct. As an excuse to get mad. Don't really understand it myself. Sort of tired of it. Tired of a lot of things with baseball. I love baseball, but I'm tired of a lot of things. I'm tired with the mentality of a lot of this crap. I'm tired with, I mean, I get it. You know, the bullpens come out during a brawl and nothing happens, but it's just a waste of time. It's stupid. Like you can't be, they're trying to get all this stuff right or they claim they they are. The thing that's frustrating me more and more about baseball is it's becoming hockey in the sense of how it's run. It's like, give me, give the two of us a week to tell you what you should do, and we can improve a lot of things. It's like hockey. It's like they're tone deaf to certain things. They don't get it. And they're making something, they're making certain alterations I like. But like this whole thing about all these unwritten rules, it's like they make no sense. Well, I mean, another thing that they're doesn't just make stupid. sense, you brought it up with Chris Singleton, so the Marlins pitcher gets only six games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not even Which going to really miss a start, right? That's I mean, a hockey like suspension. You're pushed back a day or two, right? Yeah. So isn't Manfred, others in the Major League Baseball front office, aren't they tone deaf, right? I mean, don't yes. you need to send a real statement, a three-week suspension, a one-month suspension, something? Yes. That no, has yes. a tangible impact outside of a guy just needing to take two extra days of rest? And doesn't even miss his turn in the rotation? So, yes, you're absolutely right. Speaking of being tired, how about just Irvin Santana overall? Yep. That's not his fault. Significant finger injury, way worse than we ever thought going back to March. But he can't even top 89 miles per hour. So much for his trade value. He shouldn't be pitching right now. This month. And there are teams. I I know the Mariners. I shut him down. The Brewers. The Yankees are still looking for a potential starter. There are teams looking for starters right now. Yeah. And I'm positive. He would clear trade waivers, 
but he's got nothing. Like, who would trade for Irvin Santana right now? To me, you bring up Gonsalves. Yep. Or Latell or Lewis Thorpe, right? I mean, Irvin Santana, five days from now, should not be starting for the Twins, right? No, Uncle I should Mercy, done. right? I, I Don't you done. shut him down. Yeah, he's got no, After last night, he, Hey, he's got no value, so just noble shut him effort down. for trying to come back. It's not even noble, but just you get him don't. Out. That's fine too. So you made the back. effort to come back, yep. but you can't top eighty nine miles per hour. Yep, you're toast for this year. Your career's not over. You'll get a major league contract somewhere next year. Somebody will give him a major league. You're deal. done here, but yeah, you're but right. you're done here. Yep. Bring up Gonsalves, somebody. Right. Five days from now, there's no way that Urban Santana should start for the Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh so tell me this. Of potential trade, of potential waiver trade opportunities left, uh, and so you have to have, I believe, by the by midnight on the last day of this month, your roster has to be set for playoff purposes for teams that are that have a chance to make the playoffs. Who do you think is left? Who might get dealt here? I mean, do you think Forsyth might get dealt? Oh, I think there's a I'd chance. I'd be tempted to, to bring him yeah. back, but you're I mean, right. I would you have could... told you Santana before yeah, his last couple starts. But I'm saying that's, let's just say that's out now. I, I think we both agree that's dead. So what's left? I mean, I think it's Forsyth. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. I mean, who else would it be? It can't be Morrison. He's I mean, got they got some calls on Hildenberger, but I mean, Hildenberger is part of the bullpen next year. Who's the closer next year? Is that player on the roster? I mean, it might be Hildenberger. But hey. Craig Kimbrell's a free agent. There are other really good closers that will be available this winter. This team will have all sorts of financial flexibility. So if you want to offer one of these guys now, you would have to offer a lot of money, right? I mean, Aroldis Chapman got, what, five years, $80 million from the Yankees? What did Wade Davis get from the Rockies? Four or five years Whoa. at 15 $16 million a year? Everyone in that Rockies so bullpen it is, got too much. It is a large number. So oh. are you willing to give... Craig Kimbrell, five years, eighty million. Would you do that? You can probably get him at five eighty, even though Boston, I'm sure, wants him back. Would need, Boston do that? I don't know if Boston would do that. All right, but okay. you might have to overpay okay, to get a guy re- like that. Let me reframe my question when it comes to bullpens. If you're the Twins, if you're Falvey and Levine, do you go out and target a closer, or do you target one of these seventh inning firefighter type of guys? And not put and and not put as big a premium on your closer. In which case, it could be Hildenberger, Reed. Well, um, I mean, what about the Indians guys? Yeah. Specifically, Allen. Yeah, who hasn't had a great year, but Falvey's got the history with him. Bullpen's become Andrew so, Miller's a free agent too, right? Yeah, and the bullpen's become so important now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colorado went out and signed what they signed. Uh, Davis, they signed the Shaw, Shaw, right from Cleveland, and McGee, right? Yeah, and they were just—it's just, just or resigned McGee, and it was just a disaster for an extended period. Well, yeah, I mean McGee's making what eight nine million dollars a year. Yeah, they resigned him. His right. numbers are pedestrian. Yep, or even way below average. So, I mean, I oftentimes think a lot of relievers are cyclical, right? Good one year, not so good the next. In which case, you could make there it- are the unique guys like to me. Kimbrel is going to be really good. Yep, assuming health. Now, he can break down, but assuming health, Craig Kimbrell is going to be a really good closer for the next handful of years. So there are certain guys that you can bank on. But a lot of these guys, especially the middle inning guys, I think it's cyclical. I really do. So are you willing to pay a middle reliever $9 million a year after you just gave Addison Reed two years $18 million? How's that worked out? You look at a guy like Andrew Miller who had been pretty 
you know, pretty phenomenal with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, and with the Indians up until this year when he gets injured and his ERA is above three and a half this year. Uh, do you pay a guy like that? Do you pay anyone a, a ton of money when he, like you said, Doogie, it's, it's so hit or miss what they're going to do on a year to year basis. I still think they have some interesting names at AAA too. Like Jake Reed is not on the 40 man roster right now, but to me, he's an intriguing name. Mm-hmm. Nick Anderson from Brainerd is an intriguing name. Triple A all-star. Great strikeout numbers. You know, John Curtis, who's had a cup of coffee up here, is still an intriguing name to me. Mm-hmm. Alan Boosnitz, who's been up and back how many different times? For me, there's still some intrigue why there. Why couldn't he get back up here? Because he was actually putting together, I thought he put together a pretty good extended stretch in Rochester, and they wouldn't call him up. That's a good question. I mean, his side is wondering the same thing. He's been a yo-yo. I mean, how many times has he been up and back? And he'll be back. I'm sure he'll be back in September. He's already on the 40, bullpen, man. The bullpen construction has just become such a huge part of today's game now, and it, and you can't cut corners there anymore. You know, for a long time, you really could. Let's be honest about it. You could get away with certain guys not pulling their weight, and I don't think you can do that now. I think the way the game is constructed, I think the way that starters are used, the reliance on not just a few guys in the bullpen, but really the whole thing, that's what I'm, you know, I really think, and I do think that the current administration with the Twins has some smart people. Um I also believe that this team is is as big of disappointment as 2018 has been. I don't think getting competitive and good again quickly is far-fetched. So that's why I'm so curious to see what they do. Like we 2017 caused us probably to have too high of expectations for 18, but if you get Sano and Buxton or one of them back on track, if you get your bullpen right, like this is not a lost cause team. This does not need to be a terrible team next season. This is a team that should come back and beat up on the likes of the Royals again, or for the first time. The point being is I'm really curious to see what they do because I think there's opportunities to pop here next year and be good again. There are opportunities. This is not a lot. But they cost. need, what, multiple relievers? Yep. How many guys among the cat- everyday catcher? eight, yeah. nine, can you rely on? I mean, Jason Castro is under contract next year, but do you feel good about That's that? Right. right. And you know, Joe Car- Maurer wants to keep playing. He wants to be back. To me, if you bring back Joe at one year, five million, six million, whatever the number is, somewhere in that ballpark, yep, he can't be an everyday player, right? Actually, you Tyler know Austin is out of options. Is Tyler Austin here next year? Right? There are some questions. Who's the second baseman on opening day next year? Do they resign Forsyth? Yep. Nick Gordon isn't ready, so there are all sorts of question marks. Maybe the outfield is in place, but even Max Kepler. Do you feel great about Max Kepler? I don't Rosario. I don't know who. What do you he feel is. great about? Actually, let's come back and wrap things up by talking about Maurer because the Maurer, the Maurer one to me is going to be very intriguing, and I've got a gut feeling about what direction that's going to go. Come back and wrap things up on Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Wrapping things up on Mackie and Judd, we're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, it is Zolgad and Darren Doogie Wilson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. Also, you can hear them on the Scoop Podcast, 1500ESPN.com, iTunes, so many various forms of which you can hear Doogie giving you the scoops. Uh, I got a gut feeling about Joe Maurer, and it's this. I think most part, Jim Polad's been very good about telling Derek and Thad, 
it's your show to run. Now, he was obviously, they, they were obviously told the day they stepped in the door that Paul was going to manage the team in 2017, coming off the terrible 2016. But I think, but Jim, I think, gives you the ability to run your team. I think Maurer might be the exception here. I think Maurer might be the guy who says, I want to come back. And Derek and Thad are like, okay, let's talk about it. And Jim's like, if he wants to come back, he's coming back. I think Joe Maurer, if he wants to come back, is coming back here. And but I don't think it's up for discussion. What's the negative though? It's not. I'm just just to play devil's advocate. I get yeah, it. I'm not. Even He's a saying, singles hitter. He's still an on base well, machine. The, ne- the negative is if they've decided that Sano should be their first baseman and they want to move on from Joe and they just don't see him as being a productive part of this team. I guess. I'm just. I'm saying. I believe. And Jim. Or not, I'm sorry, Joe talked to Sid a few weeks ago and talked about coming back potentially. Anyway, long story short, I think this is the one where where Jim Polad and company at the very top are going to say, if Joe wants to come back, Joe can come back. Entirely possible. And I don't think, by the way, that and, they're to the point of Sano moving to first base full-time. Eventually, yes. If Miguel Sano is here in a couple of years, I firmly believe if he's even a position player, if he's more than a DH, he's four hundred pounds. If he's a DH, he's a first baseman, not a third baseman. But I don't think they're quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So I think opening day next year, Sano is still at third base. I think that's now a, they might shop him again. That's the idea. I mean, his name came up in casual talks last winter. Yeah. Oh, I think they definitely so they might, shop him. They might bring his name up again. Yeah. I just don't know if his value is is all that high. In fact, I'm positive you can't get that much in returns unless you just want to punt on him. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't do that at this point. I think Sano makes logical sense that Sano is here next year. But what about a scenario where Tyler Austin is out of options? What if it's a platoon? Maurer against righties, Austin against lefties, but maybe Austin gets some starts against righties. You still don't have a DH for next year, right? So, I mean, there might be a way to play Maurer three days a week. He doesn't need to be a full-time player. And you think he wants to play for sure? Yes, that's my belief, yes. He wants to play. Now, if they lay that out to him and say, we don't view you as a full-time player, Maybe that changes the dynamic. But I think right now, yeah, I think Joe wants to play next year. I do. Lindsey Whalen gave you the blueprint this week. Joe should t- Joe next week should say, that's it. Three batting titles as a catcher. I was awesome. Career was derailed. Last game of the regular season target field against the White Sox, Joe Mauer Day. And we even retire his number. This year, immediately, the number seven. Opening day next year, Joe Mauer Day part two. Number seven gate. Around June of next year, the statue goes up. Put it right by the TK statue. Big picture. Sweet swing. Why a month of a goodbye, though, in a lost year? Why not announce next March? Spring training. This is my final year. After he oh, resigns tra- for I'm one just, year. I'm just I'm going with the Whalen blueprint. She did a perfect year job. of celebration. She did a perfect job. I don't want I don't want the rocking chairs. I don't want that. I don't want him going to Yankee Stadium. She did, although when she took the Gophers job, we all knew, right, that she wasn't playing beyond saying, one more just, year with I'm the Lynx. Just saying it was perfect. Joe's got the chance. Joe, if you're listening, you got the chance. Do it right. <laughs> Do it right. Next week, tell us you're done. Thank you, Doogie. Uh, you're welcome, Jed. Uh, Murph, good to see you. Garage Logic up Thank next. You. Murph, intern Max, everybody, great job this week.